0: What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Chaz Pearson, and my esteemed co-host, Chris Camello coming to you with the Outlet Forum podcast. What's up, Chris? What's up, Chaz? What's up, Laker Nation? How's everybody? Good, man. We got everything for you, all your NBA news and notes and Laker news. Did LeBron James and Isaiah Stewart's suspensions come down accurately after their altercation? Mm. Uh, could what Russell Westbrook and AD? be figuring it out together on the fly. And we got everything from Luke Walton being fired by the Sacramento Kings to the Phoenix Suns being possibly the best team in the league and Klay Thompson being cleared to practice. But we want to start off off the top. But before we get to that, we got to talk about this brawl. And I don't think we want to talk about the Lakers brawl. There was another brawl this weekend, right, Chris?
1: Well, you tell me all about it, Mr. Sin City. My guy was <laughs> was out in the LV this weekend checking out uh, the Crawford-Porter fight. Let me know how that was, man. How was it? Were, man, you, were you rubbing elbows with the celebs or what?
0: Let's just say that there was a few OGs in the building that I was able to get acquainted with. And uh, it was a good time. It was my first fight ever that I had ever seen live. Um And the fact that it was a championship fight, the energy was different. I just want to say the energy is just unreal. I've never been to a championship event before, uh, other than the World Series. And that energy in that building, especially when Crawford, you know, knocked him down the first time and then was able to, you know, finish him off. Uh, Great fight. Great weekend. Was able to catch the Raider game. Um, Not a Raider fan. I'm always a Rams fan. But I was able to check out the stadium and uh, just kind of do Vegas the right way so it it was a good time man it was a good time
1: absolutely and that fight clearly was the precursor to what we saw Sunday afternoon I wonder if LeBron and Isaiah Stewart got some ideas from watching Porter and Crawford throw down Saturday night what do you think man
0: I don't know I I think they did but we look man off the top I just want to say LeBron James did not mean to split Isaiah Stewart's eye and cause pretty or be the catalyst to what started that i don't even know what to call it it wasn't a brawl because no one actually fought right um it was an alt. you can definitely call it an altercation a very big tussle um isaiah stewart for those of you guys that don't know let me just set the table for you guys right so the lakers are starting to get trounced at this point right the detroit pistons are up By 12 points in the third quarter, but the moment they have all the momentum at this point, it's about nine minutes left in the third quarter. The, The second half is just starting and the Lakers are doing what they normally do in recent weeks in the third quarter, which has come out very flat, very slow. And there was a free throw. Don't know exactly who was shooting the free throw if you do, Chris. But at the time, Isaiah Stewart and LeBron James were on the block, boxing out each other for the second free throw. And in my opinion, Isaiah Stewart hooked LeBron James's arm as the free throw was being shot. Now, in the NBA, for those of you guys that don't know, you, that's, this is where a lot of the little stuff, the Chris Paul nudging, the elbows, the rib checks, the little stuff like that, that's where that happens normally. And LeBron James was trying to get his arm free from Isaiah Stewart hooking his arm on the free throw line. And Isaiah Stewart's a he, he could clearly be
1: oh yeah
0: a defensive end for the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, this guy is he looks more like a football player than a basketball player. And, and the Raiders could, could
1: and the Raiders could
0: have used him. I'm sure this past they weekend. could use him. <laughs> most <laughs> most definitely. And LeBron James went to get his arm free, right. but he did at the same time as of that move, he wanted to give him a little something to let him know don't do that again. So. Definitely, in my opinion, let's start here, was definitely somewhat intentional. Mm-hmm. Right. So, LeBron James, you know, moves his arm, tries to get his arm free, and his hand is closed. And he hits Isaiah Stewart with a closed fist yeah. in the corner of his eyes, right below his eyebrow above his eye, in between his eyebrow and his eye, essentially, right? I I would call it the most unintentional,
1: intentional hit you would ever see. You know what it gave me flashbacks of? Do you remember when Shane Battier had that nasty cut over his eye? I think it was Derek Fisher that gave him an elbow during the playoffs back in 09. It was really like that. And, I mean, Stewart initially was cool. Like it looked like, and LeBron was very apologetic. Like if that was intentional, LeBron just would have walked away. And LeBron, we know this is not in his character. He's never been a guy who's gotten in people's faces in a physical manner. I mean, yeah, we've seen him do a little bit of jawing in the NBA finals with Draymond and Curry and KD, but nothing like that. No one's ever had any nasty cuts. So the first thing I thought of was, wow, like I didn't realize he got him that bad where the thing was just gushing. Like it was really like a boxer's hit.
0: Well, it that didn't start gushing, it didn't start gushing immediately, right? No, but like, it eventually it, did. It opened up, yeah. What it reminded me of, kind of, was when, and this is, goes way back for you NBA fans, when Carl Malone hit Isaiah Thomas with the elbow going to the basket, and Isaiah Thomas was absolutely leaking all over the place. So that's really what it reminded me of in terms of the amount of blood. But it actually took a little bit for the blood to come down Isaiah Stewart's face. So right. setting the, table, the rest of the table for you guys. After that, at that point, Isaiah Stewart and LeBron James come together. They, they exchange some words. Obviously, LeBron James either says, to my knowledge or to, in my opinion, says, I'm sorry, my bad, something to that effect. Isaiah Stewart obviously took issue with it. He got mad as time went on. Yeah. And which is so he wasn't immediately mad. It was like the more he started bleeding and the more blood that got on his face, the madder he got. And yeah, he got, they were separated by obviously coaching staff and players and things of that nature. And Isaiah Stewart, for lack of a better term, absolutely lost his damn mind. He was a raging bull. Think of running with the bulls in Italy. Like this guy was just a loose bull running all over the court, walking, walking away at one point saying, all right, all right, I'm done. And then gotcha. Like just yeah. <laughs> turn around and, and start running the opposite way towards Deandre Jordan and Russell Westbrook and AD. I love to, I love to see the fire out of AD that that night ad it, was it,
1: it really was yeah, ready to go exactly and and i thought you know and vogel pointed this out he liked how the players built a wall trying to get lebron out of there and everybody now is pushing and and, and shoving but nobody it, it wasn't hostile with anybody else except isaiah stewart normally when you have a scuffle like that it's two guys that need to be restrained in this case it was it took an entire village to keep Isaiah Stewart away from LeBron James or going after anybody else. And of course, for people who remember not to mention over the, uh, the last week, we had the, I think it's the 17 year anniversary of the malice of the palace. So first Detroit piston personnel and security and, and any sort of Detroit Metro officers that may have been there working the game. It's like, Oh my gosh, are, are we going through this again? 17 years later, have we not learned our lesson? But fortunately nobody got hurt. Nobody got hit. Stewart, It took a long time, but he finally cleared the court. Both players, I think, were ejected. Um, LeBron James got issued a flagrant two. Stewart, I think, got a technical. And the suspensions, as of this week, were handed down. LeBron James uh, will be serving a one-game suspension. Isaiah Stewart, just two. And I think the reason people are saying Stewart should have gotten more, LeBron should have gotten more, actually, some actually thought LeBron shouldn't have gotten anything. These are not first-time offenders, but it was still a nasty hit. Nasty cut, nasty reaction. So there has to be some sort of accountability, but it's not in the nature. I don't know Isaiah Stewart that well. I haven't seen him play long enough, but it's not in LeBron James's nature to go headhunting like that. But it, you know, I think the the topic that we've all been reading and, ta- and, and and hearing others talk about, Chaz, is was it intentional? And And the only reason I could think of where LeBron James would want to deliver a hit like that was because the Lakers were struggling. And I think the fact that the team is not in a good place, he hasn't been in a good place physically. Isaiah Stewart may have been jawing. Other players may have been jawing. And sometimes things get done. Here's my take on it.
0: Any any notion, kind of like the one that you threw out there, that LeBron James hit this guy in the face, someone intentionally in order to fire his team up, not buying it for a second. He, if, if, LeBron James is one of the not only the one of the best players, he's one of the smartest players, and he's not going to cost himself a game check of over three hundred and fifty thousand dollars just to get his team going because they they're stuck in the mud. That that notion to me is ludicrous,
1: <laughs> not going to be in November either. <laughs> yeah, just, it,
0: exactly. Just, it just doesn't make any sense. Now, was he frustrated Was he, you know, tired of the way that the team was playing or these third quarters that he's been watching on the bench because he's been hurt for however many games, 10, 11 games? Um, And this was, what, his second game back after injury, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think he came came back against Boston, um, where they actually came out great in that first quarter, but couldn't stop a nosebleed for the rest of the game and and lost in Boston, unfortunately. But um, I just don't think that he did that on purpose uh, intentionally, I think he really just wanted to rip his arm out from Isaiah Stewart's, uh, arm and just let him know, like, that's not cool. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the NBA had to do what they had to do. And I'm just going to say this, LeBron James most definitely got exactly what he deserved. One game, right. Yeah. For recklessly hitting Isaiah Stewart in the face, quote unquote, from the NBA, uh, press release that was released. Um, on the day of the suspensions being handed down. But what surprised me most was Isaiah Stewart, the raging bull running across the entire court, knocking over his own coaching staff. And Cade Cunningham. And Cade Cunningham (laughs) only got two games. Yeah, How, Chris, tell me, explain. First time offender.
1: He doesn't have a history. When you don't have a history and no punches were actually thrown, nobody really got hurt what are you supposed to do? Yeah. The intent was there, of course. And I agree. He could have maybe gotten three or four games. I think that that would have sufficed. I I think that some, some people would have thought that was fair, but also you, anytime you're issuing punishment, I think it's more than just what we see on the surface. I think it goes, what's this guy's history. What was his intent? Uh, Did anyone else get hurt? Did he punch anybody? Did he hurt anybody? If those things No, 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 no. Then it's like, okay, two games next time we'll, we'll throw the book at him even more. So, but yeah, I agree. I I think, I think the punishment uh, was a little bit um, light. I, it's funny. I think it was light on Stewart, but harsh on LeBron. And LeBron James was actually the one who caused it in the first place. It's a it's an awkward situation. Uh, but another aspect too, Russell Westbrook got hit with the technical. He was trying to put up his fist. Let's be honest. Russ or any of these guys, none of these dudes outside of Stewart were really ready to, to take on uh, anybody in a fight. Come on now.
0: Come so, on I mean, bu- actually, before I get into it, let's go ahead and listen to the soundbite of Russ actually finding out in real time during the Lakers post game that he got the technical. Officials say that you were assessed technical part. Who got a tech? You did, you did. I got a tech? Oh, wow. Why'd I get a tech? I didn't know I had a tech. <laughs> wow. That's interesting. Well, you know, this is being Russell, I guess. When you're Russell Westbrook, they just try to do anything, apparently, but whatever. I don't know why I got I don't know what I did, but whatever. They had to put it on somebody. I'm easy the I'm easy person to throw on, but not me. So, yeah, there you have it. He was just, he just couldn't believe that, he was like, what? I got a tech? Like, he can't understand why he got a tech, but his explanation was because you're Russell Westbrook, you got to give it to somebody and who... Better than him to give it to. I, Once again, I didn't reputation. Understand. Reputation.
1: I don't understand
0: why he got one. I did he get one just because he put up his hands? If anything, AD should have. If if anybody was going to get attacked, it should have been maybe AD maybe. because AD was was ready to go. He was the one that was being restrained by several uh, Lakers officials and coaching staff on the floor. And surprisingly, nobody on the bench on either team, you know, came onto the floor in a major way. So that props to the. Coaching staff are keeping their players on the on the bench while getting pummeled and chasing this raging bull all over the the court, trying to prevent him from getting at the king. You know,
1: yeah, yeah, and obviously that's a big thing now because we've seen how these suspensions, when you leave the bench could pile up. We saw that it cost the Phoenix suns, a series go back to 2007 when Robert cheap shot, Bob, the birth, the birth and rise of cheap shot, Bob, Robert (laughs) Ori hip check, Steve Nash into the scores table guys leave the bench. The guys leave the bench Ori, Yeah. I'm the 10th guy on the bench suspend me all day long, but, Phoenix, they lost Stoudemire. They lost DL. So I think one of the the protocols for for these teams now, when when a scuffle on the floor goes down, there's usually a couple of coaches saying, don't move a muscle. Don't go anywhere. Just stay here. Let us handle it. And and we will restore order. But uh, yeah, that was definitely a good call for both teams because now it's hard enough to deal with LeBron James not going to be playing Tuesday night against the New York Knicks. And, and now the the, uh, the Pistons aren't going to have Isaiah Stewart, but it's it's a lot better than having three or four guys suspended on both sides, you know?
0: Let me ask you something really quick. Um, just from a different perspective, as far as Isaiah Stewart goes, what do you think the Pistons are going to do with him? Are they going to... Because I was reading, I, I like Gilbert Arenas' posts. Gilbert Arenas had a post uh, on Instagram where he said essentially that Isaiah Stewart pretty much wrote his own ticket out of the league. There's two players that you don't square up with, and that's LeBron James and Kevin Durant, the two best players in the league. He said he but he has a one-way ticket out of the league. They're gonna trade him, so on and so forth. What's your take on that? I do you think that the Detroit Pistons are gonna cut him, trade him, do anything like that? Because obviously he's gotten two games and he's gonna miss however much money. Um and he and he's the one that had to get the three or four stitches and had to look like a fool on tv but that, a lot of that was his own doing what's what's your take on it should the detroit pistons do anything to isaiah stewart or anything like that or no
1: no i don't think so i mean we gotta understand he's in what his second or third year i think he's only in his second year uh, he's a kid He's a young kid. I, I, and LeBron and LeBron and Durant aren't going to be here forever. I don't think it's that once again, let's not go overboard here. We tend, we like to go overboard on things nowadays. We we want to feel like we got to make an example of it. Let's not go crazy. Yeah. He was upset. He lost his temper. And I'm sure um, if LeBron James reached out and apologized, I would hope Stewart had enough class and dignity and respect to say, Hey, all good and, king. We're we're fine. I'm gonna get this eye treated. I I I know where your heart is, and, and just leave it at that and move on.
0: No, it ain't number. I'll tell you two things. Number one, it ain't all good. Even, Lef- even if LeBron James did get his number, like the reports are that Sham Sharani is reporting that LeBron James tried, I don't know if he did, tried to get Isaiah Stewart's number to reach out and apologize. Um, even if he did, number one, it's all good, not all good. Number two, these teams play each other again in a few weeks in Staples center or soon to be the crypto.com center. Oh, and I'm on
1: that crap. Uh, I'm, I'm interested.
0: I'm interested to see what's going to happen that night. Assuming that both players are are on the floor. Maybe nothing happens at all, but I'll tell you this. You get that mad at somebody. It's not all good. Even if they do apologize, you accept it or you say whatever, but all the smoke.
1: Okay. He wanted all the smoke. LeBron didn't want all the smoke. So it tells you everything you need to know. Sometimes bad things happen where it's like, I didn't intend for it to be that way, but that's just what it was. Intent means a lot of different things. I think Stewart's intent was a lot worse than, than LeBron's. So while I think you're right, it ain't all good what are you going to do at this point? You're going to, you, are you going to challenge LeBron James to a, a Jake Paul style fight or Paul Pierce versus, or I'm sorry, no, who's, who's fighting next. Uh, uh Frank Gore versus Darren Williams. Uh, do these guys got to get into a <laughs> ring to do that silly crap. Come on, take the licks, get your stitches, move on. And, and understand LeBron James has a lot more things at stake than to try to, oh yeah, let me wake up today and think. Should I take out Isaiah Stewart or not? Nah? come on. Seriously, let let it go. Let it go. It was an ugly situation. Yes. Apologize. Take your suspensions, take your fines and move on. Come on, man. This is what I'm talking about. This is where we're at, though, Chaz, in our society. We overreact and we're uh, to everything. Sometimes things are just what they are. It was a bad situation. Crap happens. Eat it and move on.
0: In my opinion, and this is the last thing I'll say on it before we get to actually on the court, what happened on the court, which was just as exciting, in my opinion, in the fourth quarter. But if LeBron James hits him and they tussle or whatever, and Isaiah Stewart doesn't go crazy, both of them probably LeBron James probably does get ejected still, does probably get a suspension. Isaiah Stewart probably stays in the game. And finishes the game and doesn't get suspended.
1: Probably not.
0: And that's that's, that's all that comes of it. So you're right. I mean, we we do overreact to everything. um, And we always, you know, push things forward too far than than they should. But speaking of moving on, let's get to actually what happened on the court. Because after what happened, after this melee or this altercation that occurred, some pretty basketball was played by the Lakers to end the third quarter and to open up the fourth quarter. The Los Angeles Lakers were able to close out the Detroit Pistons and come back from that 12-point deficit in the third quarter to win 121-116 to uh, with a huge effort from Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis down the stretch and quite a few assists from Russell Westbrook and a lot of setups and a lot of clutch threes from Carmelo Anthony as well to get the team back into the game Mid to late in the third quarter, Carmelo Anthony had five threes and he was very key in putting together that kind of a comeback. But what stood out to you, Chris, with the down the stretch moves between Russell Westbrook, AD and the rest of the Los Angeles Lakers to pull out this win?
1: You really want to know what I think? Of course. Do you really, really want to know what I think?
0: Not now that you're saying all that, but now you got to give it to us.
1: What's up? I'll tell you on the other end of the break. You're listening to the Outlet Form Podcast.
0: You You know what? Here's to going for it. And being terrible. Here's to giving it a shot, even though your shot is uh, garbage. To being the queen of the court. Oh, maybe not this court. To feeling the burn, even if there shouldn't be a burn to feel. To trying your best, even though your swing is the worst. Here's to going down way harder than you get back up. Out. <laughs> to giving it your all,
1: even though you kind of suck.
0: But you know what doesn't suck? <sighs> <laughs> Trying to do something you've never done before. That doesn't suck at all. Not even a little.
1: Welcome back to the Outlet Forum podcast. Uh, So, Chaz, before we dumped out and I left you hanging, like like we are two guys trying to high-five in the late 90s, uh, you asked me what I thought about that fourth quarter. So, here was the thing. We saw, first of all, we saw defense. We saw a team finally lock in on the defensive end of the floor. We saw a team finally play with some sand in their craw. We saw two stars who haven't necessarily gotten on the same page as far as on the court goes, finally lock in. And that was Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis with also a massive assist from Carmelo Anthony who made some huge threes to help them get back into the game. So my my issue with... A.D. and Russ, it's been simple. A.D., it's been mentality and leadership. Russ, it's been decision-making and execution. Well, in that game, they finally said enough was enough. Detroit, no Moss, no more threes for Jeremy Grant, no more Cade Cunningham running circles on us. We're going to take this game. And I loved how that moment with the fight that we just discussed in the third quarter was that rallying point. The one thing I was disappointed with, though, was the fact that it took something that dramatic and that physical to get these guys going after they've been sleepwalking throughout this road trip and really throughout this season. Injuries be damned, of course, but still, it's like that's what it takes to get you guys to play hard-nosed physical defense. That's what it takes for AD and Westbrook to start getting on the same page and starting to actually look for one another. So it was great to see them come back and win it was an impressive win no question about it uh, but still I, I was sort of confused should I be happy that they came back and won and and we saw flashes of what could be or should I be disappointed that, that the fact that yet again they were struggling to to get, to get to make shots struggling to defend and they needed another dramatic fourth quarter comeback to beat an average opponent below our answer I should say.
0: I'll answer that for you. You should be very happy and very encouraged because I was. I watched this game in the airport on my way back from Vegas on my phone, just praying that they would figure out something because this was a, this was more like a make it or break it game for the season. I know it's against the lowly Detroit Pistons, but it was a major moment because it was a bit of adversity, like their first real adversity, right? It's an altercation, LeBron James gets ejected. Isaiah Stewart's going crazy. They're down 12 to one of the worst teams in the league, obviously that are four and 12, two and seven at home. Um, And I credit AD as well as myself. I credit Carmelo Anthony for being the catalyst in this comeback more than AD himself and more than Russ. They finished it, but it was Carmelo Anthony that AD said, challenged them in the huddle right after the altercation, as well as again, when he hit the threes, the fi- the the few threes that he did in the third and fourth quarter to kind of keep the momentum in the Lakers' favor. So I was very encouraged by it. Uh, Frank Vogel actually had quite a few words in the post game as well. Talk about that, Chris.
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, let's let's hear what Frank E. V., as I like to call him, had to say after the game. Anything
0: from Westbrook and AD? particular, Frank, after that, and maybe particularly in the fourth quarter uh, to turn the tide? And, uh, oh, for sure. And, you know, to, to me, it's one of those
1: things that can change the momentum of your season, you know, to see guys rally around uh, a teammate that, that just got ejected like that, um, you know, in a, in a strange circumstance, um, played with incredible guts, started the fourth quarter down 15. And, um, you know, that's, a term, that's the determination that this, this team is going to need, you um, You know, these young guys played hard, and we're getting everybody's best punch every night. You know, so that's how hard we got to play to get W's. So, you know, to see that we can do it and get a tough win on the road, down 15 to start to fourth, it's a heck of a win for us. So there you have it. Frank Vogel, basically, he laid it all out. The problems that they've been going through, how they're getting uh, the other team's best shots every single night. Young teams that are basically running the ball down their throats trying to get good looks from downtown and exposing the Lakers' defensive flaws. But what he called this win was a momentum changer for the season, or it could be a momentum changer for the season. Now, here's my counter to that. Go back a few weeks. What happened? They beat the Miami Heat, who came in with a 7-3 and record at home in overtime. Thrilling win. No LeBron James. On Miami side, no Jimmy Butler, but still a big-time win. What happened a few nights later? I was at that game. Right. But what happened a few nights later, Chaz? They get smoked at home to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Right? Go back a few weeks before that. Overtime win. Comeback win against the San Antonio Spurs. Once again, no LeBron James. And we thought, hey, this could be what unites them and gets it together. Nope. They drop one in Oklahoma City. So... When you have a great win, but you follow it up, not just with a loss, but with a head-scratching, embarrassing loss, where you get almost outclassed by your opponent, certainly in the Minnesota game they did, that's disappointing to me. So, excuse me if I don't be like, hey, this could be the turning point. This could be the turning point because I've already tried to to acknowledge that logically and and um, basically – sit. Uh, state that same point that hey this win could do this and this win could do that only to see them struggle 48 48 hours later you know what i mean or I 24 think, hours think this, later so I that's think, the thing could is this the real thing or is this just another flash in the pan time will tell on the rest it, of this road trip and when they get home
0: it but, could be that's the thing that's the main thing it yeah. could very well be so lebron james is not playing in Madison Square Garden against the New York Knicks. I know Knicks fans are absolutely beyond themselves right now. This guy only comes to Madison Square Garden once a year. Mm-hmm. He only has as far as guaranteed games. Really, and nothing in this life is guaranteed, but as far he's only has one more year, right? As far as guaranteed years left on his deal. He could technically opt out after next year is what I'm is what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. And and he, he just doesn't let's just say he doesn't have very many more MSG performances.
1: Sure.
0: And the That's fact right. that this is being taken away by something stupid like, you know, a box out on a free throw that turned into a suspension. Um, You know, if I was a Knicks fan, you know, I'd be pressed or as an NBA fan in general, because. If I'm Adam Silver, I'm, I'm not too happy because having LeBron James in Madison Square Garden for a marquee game on TNT is, is big time. So um, it's unfortunate, but just getting back to on the court, I was really pleased with what A.D. and Russ did. Yeah. Um, I, I'm really pleased with the two man game that they had. I think it also had a lot to do with Corey Joseph playing terrible defense and doubling AD and coming off of Russ' possession after possession and allowing Russ to be able to get downhill and get to the basket. And Russ had that, that crazy dunk uh, where he was able to dunk over Cade Cunningham, or yeah. was it? Yeah, I think. Uh, I, I not know. I think
1: it was Diallo. It was Diallo, actually. It was Diallo. It was, yeah, was, absolutely. Yeah. Hamadou, you know, Hamadou Diallo.
0: Yes. Yeah, and he pumped his chest and everything. So it was. It, it was good. It was right. Uh, it, it was good energy moving forward. It for Could sure. it be? I, absolutely. But I just think that the Lakers really have to have uh, the rest of the road trip, the rest of the way, they have to use this energy and channel it correctly mm-hmm. uh, against you know a team like the Knicks as well as other teams that they're going to face moving forward on this road trip, which will include uh, the Indiana Pacers. And then they come home for – uh, a game against the Sacramento Kings. And then again, they play the Detroit Pistons Sunday after Thanksgiving. And Tough then the, the Kings again. So yeah, they could, they could get their mojo back in these next, you know, five games uh coming off this win. That was, that was huge for them.
1: Exactly. And they haven't won two games in a row in a long time. So I think for them, this is the test. Can we build no LeBron? with LeBron, whatever the case may be, can we build and break some of these bad habits? Because you know what's funny to me, Chaz? These games have almost run the same way. When you really look at, when you really break it down, what do a lot of these games, even in their wins, uh, as well as the losses, I think they've all kind of looked the same in, in these aspects. One, great starts, right? Hey, they're up eight. They're up 15 on the Boston Celtics. They're looking awesome. They're defending. The energy is good. Knocking down three second quarter. Okay. Offense is still good. Defense starts to wane and then they don't close out the quarter. Well, so even if they're up seven or eight or nine points with two, three minutes to go, what happens? The, the opponent closes the, the, uh, the quarter out on like an 11 to two run 11 to three run. So now the lead is either non-existent or it's like one or two points. Then the train wreck, that's the third quarter. That has been their Achilles heel. And games have usually been lost by the Lakers because of how poorly that they have defended and executed their offense in in the third. The fourth, maybe you see a little bit of a comeback, like what we saw uh, this past weekend against the Pistons. But a lot of times, like what we saw in Boston, it just keeps getting worse and they spiral downward and then they're done. The game's over at the seven minute mark. Clear out your benches. We got garbage time that has been the exactly. lakers season so far.
0: Well, well, I'll I'll do you one better better than that because there's one part that you miss. Their defense isn't even good in the first quarter. It was in that Boston game, but it wasn't great. I think the, I think the their best defense in the first quarter was in this Detroit game. You know, and
1: maybe
0: they all even though their offense is doing good and they and they get off to a good start, their defense isn't good. And it just stays not good for the entire game. For sure, uh, the Lakers are giving up an average of over a hundred uh, and almost sixteen points a game on average, and it's just it's absolutely disgusting. And for well, Frank, Frank Vogel to, to to be a defensive minded coach,
1: yeah,
0: and and in my opinion, has the personnel to do what he would like to do. Mm. In my opinion, I I know there's a there is out. I know Kendrick Nunn is out. I know that you know Wayne Ellington hasn't played a whole lot. Kent Bazemore isn't hasn't been as good. Um, LeBron James obviously hasn't been on the floor for more than half the season. Uh, there's a lot working against Frankie V, but it's his overall concepts and energy that is really causing me to pause. And I don't want to call for the for the man's job, and um, but I will say this: I'm gonna put this on wax. I do think David Fisdale would do a better job with this group than Frank Vogel will. And the reason why is because of of buy-in from LeBron James as well as versatility and in-game adjustments. Frank Vogel, as great of a coach as he is, has poor in-game adjustments. That's why the Lakers look like absolute trash in the third quarter because I don't know if if he's given him a speech or just saying, keep doing what you're doing or whatever the case at halftime, but it's pretty evident and clear that every third quarter, the Lakers are the worst third quarter team in the league. Oh, yeah. So there's, there's no excuse for being the worst third quarter team in the league. If you don't have any in-game adjustments and you have to have that. If you have a veteran squad like this, where they're getting their tail kicked and usually the end of the first or second quarter, where they don't have the momentum and they come out flat the same way, game after game after game. That's the part. If there's anything that's going to um, take this job away from Frank Vogel, even though he did get an extension, we don't know how long and how many years or how much it was, but if he does get fired, I guarantee you it'll be for lack of in-game adjustments among many other things.
1: Okay, so here's the, the issue. And I, you got a real short memory on that, the fact that we talked about this very issue two weeks ago on the very first edition of the Outlet Forum podcast, Chaz. The biggest issue, there were two of them that I saw coming into this season for the Lakers. One, lack of continuity compared to everybody else in the West. When you break it down, just in the Western Conference alone, Chaz, every other contending team is essentially running it back. Phoenix, Denver, Utah, the Clippers. Everybody is pretty much running it back, right? Golden I State. Yeah, and and Golden State too. I mean, everyone's like, "Oh, Jordan Poole and all these guys." Yeah, a lot of these guys have been here now 2, 3 years. They sprinkled in some vets, but it, they didn't make any mass changes. The Lakers overhauled their roster for the third straight year, sacrificing good defensive personnel, the likes of Danny Green, KCP, Alex Caruso, JaVale McGee, Avery Bradley from from a year ago to get more shooting because the one thing everybody was complaining about And it was a justified complaint. Where's the shooting? We have no floor spacing. If you're going to have AD and LeBron, we need floor spacing, blah, blah, blah. And we need that third option. See, look at Brooklyn. We need that third star. So it makes a bunch of difference. If you have injuries, blah, blah, blah. So they addressed those two issues. The problem was the defensive side. Do you have enough guys that they signed this past year who are truly going to commit to that side? of the ball the way they did two years ago and really to a lesser extent last year so you have vogel trying to work in all these new pieces working a star that doesn't really fit well with lebron and ad trying to find the right combinations of guys oh wait what else am i missing oh yeah of course they've been injured guys in guys out it's like what john ireland said who's in who's out This next segment brought to you by In-N-Out Burger. That's basically what the Lakers season has been thus far. And every time you have guys like THT or LeBron coming back, it's almost like you're starting from square one as far as rotations go. So you're trying to find the right mix of guys who are going to continue to score as well as defend because you are a sieve defensively. So I I think you're right on some of the in-game adjustments. Go back to that Milwaukee game. Why would you start the fourth quarter without both that but was terrible. That. How do you not
0: have I am not all safe. of your guys being staggered? He can't stagger their minutes correctly. Look, I'm not calling for the guy's job, and I don't mean to cut you off. No, 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 no. That's fine. He's just not, you know, he's so you got to do a himself. better job. Laker, Lakers got to coach better. Kent Bazemore got to play better. Yeah. Lakers got to get, you know, off the injury report. They got to get healthier. But all of that can be true at the same time as Vogel has to coach better. They are not mutually exclusive. They can both be One of the same.
1: Maybe, maybe I'm not saying you're wrong. And I'm not, I'm certainly not being a Frank Fogle apologist and saying, oh, he's been perfect. And, and he's the greatest coach ever. No, he's dude. All these coaches are flawed. Come on. I, I mean, I, in all sports, we could call very few coaches can walk on water. Bill Belichick, Phil Jackson, coach Mike Krzyzewski and Pat Riley. Outside of that, I don't know anybody else who can walk on water. Everyone else, whether they've got the hardware or not, has been criticized at one point in time. Frank Vogel, even though he's got a ring, same same situation. All I'm saying is this. When you don't have guys buying in defensively to those principles, either because they can't because they're too slow, or in the case of guys like Westbrook and Monk and some of these other dudes, they are just not, they're trying to figure things out offensively. And when things aren't going right for them, offensively, guess what? They're, they're waning. Uh, their, their effort is waning on the defensive end. And that's where you get into problems. So it, it's a combination of both familiarity comfortability, chemistry, all those things factor in together. And I think that's, that's why the Lakers are where they are right now, but Vol- I can't Vol- put all of it on Vogel. That's all no, I'm no, no, no.
0: Of course not. Of course not. Cause the players got to play at the end of the day, but at the same time, coaches got to coach. So with okay. that being said, moving on to other coaches, Luke Walton. Of oh, he won't be second- coaching
1: anytime soon.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 He, he gone. He got him. So Luke Walton has now lost his second NBA head coaching job in a row with the Sacramento Kings firing Luke Walton, um, what is it, 18, 17, 18 games into the season. And the Sacramento Kings are moving in a, in a new direction. Let me just say this. I, I'm actually surprised that they said firing and not parted ways or uh, mutually agreed or anything like that. Um, I just want to come from the perspective of just being honest and real when a coach gets fired, when a white coach gets fired and a black coach gets fired, there's a strict definitive line between the two. There's always, you know, for the white coach, it's always mutually parted ways or agreed upon or whatever. And then with the black coaches, it's always just fired or let go or whatever the case may be. But I do want to say this. I do not think that Luke Walton should get another coaching job. And this hurts me to say as a Laker fan, because Luke Walton was one of not my favorite players, but personalities on those Laker teams. He should get another job, but he should not get another job without carrying the clipboard like Jason Kidd, Steven Silas, Darvin ham, all the other assistant coaches that are still trying to make it in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Luke Walton has to get to the back of the line. Like everybody else and work his way back up to another head coaching gig. For him to get the Laker, to get fired from the Lakers and get the Sacramento Kings job within five minutes of each other was absolutely ridiculous, in my opinion, in the first place. And if it happens again and he gets another job, like, I don't know, the Charlotte Hornets or, you know, wh- whoever else, the Atlanta Hawks or, well, not the Atlanta Hawks because they just got McMillan again. But does anybody, right. for that matter, it would be um, a travesty to not only the league, but it, it just it would just reek of white privilege to me, man. But I just that's the p- perspective that I'm coming from it at. Not that the man deserved to lo- lose his job. That's not my call. That's theirs. But I'm just saying his next one shouldn't come as easy as a nosebleed when you're up high in the sky and with that heat. So
1: yeah um so let me talk about it from a different perspective first. I think your your perspective is right on I I agree with you in in a lot of those respects because I, I didn't understand how this guy who could not lead a LeBron James team to the playoffs in fact they finished 12 games below 500 in his final year uh, with the LA Lakers got a job with the Sacramento Kings but it also kind of goes to show you the dysfunction of the Kings and the toxic environment and the atmosphere that they have, where basically you can make the argument. That's where coaches go to die is Sacramento. I mean, they've had George Carl, they've had Mike Malone, they've had Dave Yeager. They've had uh, a lot of different coaches who've had success in other places, but anytime they've gone there, it's not only been losing Chaz, it's it's like ended badly. It, it All of these coaches who've been fired or let go have ended badly. Now here's the thing with Walton. He was on borrowed time from the beginning. Don't forget, Vlady Divac hired him. Vladi Divac was gone after his second year, his second season. So was Peja Stojakovic. So now you bring in a new front office, Monty McNair. So just like what happened with Vogel in Orlando, the guy that hires you gets fired, a new regime comes in, and now you're on borrowed time. And if you don't win, guess what? You're gone. I want to get my own coach in there. I want to make that hire. I want to get somebody who's going to reflect my image and my vision for this team.
0: And that's so that, how it's been with sports forever.
1: Of course, that's and that's how it it will always be. But going a little bit further, Walton was given too much too soon. So you want to talk about the privilege aspect, the white privilege aspect? There you go. Like this guy was an assistant with the South Bay Lakers, formerly the Los Angeles Defenders. He he went from that to um, he went from that to being an assistant coach. With Steve Kerr and the Golden State Warriors, he got overhyped because the Warriors were winning. He was the best babysitter in the NBA because he was an interim coach. And the Warriors had the best best regular season in NBA history, 73 and nine, goes to the Lakers, right? And then um, never really got going. Had a terrible first year, got a little bit better his second year. Third year didn't improve at all and he was gone. So I agree with you. This is two years in a row where not only have you been losing, but you're not elevating teams. You're not really elevating talent either. It's obvious just, that guys are tuning you out. So I agree. I think he should be carrying the clipboard. I think he'd be a great assistant no matter where he goes. But his next head coaching job should not be for a while.
0: I just want re- to read a quick tweet. This is one of the best tweets I, I saw on it. And it was actually by someone I'm not too much of a fan of anymore. But Bill Simmons a uh, huge Celtics fan, he, he said. Last four years, Sacramento took Bagley over Luca, spent lottery picks on three point guards, froze on trading Barnes when he had legit trade value, spent actual money on Tristan Thompson, gave Bogdanovich away for nothing. Mm-hmm. But hey, let's change coaches again—an ongoing catastrophe of an ownership group. I mean, I, if if that couldn't be more spot on, mm. I don't know. I don't know what is so. Uh, sh- shout out to Bill Simmons for sending out a great tweet on the Sacramento Queens, as we like to call them on the Outlet Forum podcast. But moving on really quick to another team that's actually playing a lot better, could be the best team in the league, the Phoenix Suns, who have now won 13 straight games. Mm. They are now 14-3, and three, I believe, and have the best record, um, or second best record, I should say, in the West, only behind the Golden State Warriors, who are 15 and two. Um, tell me, Chris, is this a fluke or are the Phoenix Suns going to keep this up and coast like this as a top one or two seed all the way to the NBA playoffs?
1: They basically ran it back. This, what did I just talk about? Continuity, running it back, hungry because they lost in the finals. You could almost make the argument they are where the 09 Lakers were. Remember, Lakers lost in 08 in the finals. That propelled them to have a 65-win season the very next year. If you are healthy and you are hungry, you can go very far. Not to mention, they didn't make any mass changes. They actually got better because they improved their bench. They added Landry Shamit. They added uh, J- Javel McGee. They've added a lot of other good players. And um, I mean, to their bench, but the core of that team is the same Ayton, Booker Crowder, CP three, Mikel bridges. That's, that's going to be your squad. That's going to close out most games. So they're just rolling and they got out to a, what a one and three start. They had some tough losses in there. Two and three. Yeah. Two yeah. and three. So, I mean, they're, they're rolling and they're going to, they're going to be right now. They're going to be the team to be in the Western conference and uh, what they did to the Denver nuggets. Granted, Denver was shorthanded uh, this past weekend. Whoo. I mean, it's them and Golden State, I think, are the two best teams uh, in the in the Western Conference. But I think where I give Phoenix the edge is because I think Phoenix has more firepower. But that could be changing, Chaz. Golden State could have a very key splash brother coming back.
0: Yeah. Uh, Clay Thompson just got cleared for five-on-five, five, full contact, back to practice. Usually that means... A week, maybe two max, if you're cleared for full contact, uh, that you come back on probably on likely a minutes restriction to kind of ramp up and get going. Um, this is great, not only for just basketball fans, uh, but NBA fans and just anybody that's a fan of of the Warriors as well. Um, obviously, as a div- divisional opponent of the Lakers. Uh, you know, it's one of our I won't I don't want to say rivals, but it's not a, a team that you want to see do well. But I'm rooting for Clay, man, uh, to come off those kind of two catastrophic injuries with the Achilles or the ACL and then the Achilles, both of them on different legs. One's got to overcompensate for the other. Um, it's going to take him a bit to kind of get back to full form. Uh, the thing that I think is not being overlooked more than anything was, yes, he was, he is a great shooter, one of the best shooters, top five shooters probably of all time, along with Steph Curry, uh, who's probably the greatest shooter that God has ever created. Shout out Stephen A. for saying that. But Clay Thompson is going to take a while to be the full player that he actually was prior to the injury because he was one of the top defensive players or wings in the league as well. And yeah. coming off those two injuries – um, he's not going to be that to start. Can he get back there? Yes. But uh, for the Warriors to have the continuity that they have to have Jordan pool playing like, like he is to have a guy like Wiseman coming back soon as well. On top of that. And Steph Curry playing at not just, you know, an all-star level, but an MVP all time, great level right now, or for the past two years, oh, he's cooking um, chef Curry he, is it, cooking it, again. <laughs> absolutely cooking. So, Uh, The league should definitely be on notice uh, as well as the Lakers should be on notice, but they got enough to worry about. Uh, They got to get their act together before they even worry about the eight other teams that are above them in the standings in the Western conference, because 500 is not where they want to be. But let me ask you this. Let me, let me just ask you, this This It's just my personal opinion, man. If I were to tell you to start the season the Lakers would be down four rotational players and Kendrick Nunn, THT, Trevor Ariza, um, as well as LeBron James missing half the season, more than half the season so far. And Russ, you know, getting acclimated as well. But I told you the Lakers were 500 after 18 games. Would you take that given everything I just told you? Or would you say they should be better than that? They should be better by three games. They should be
1: right now 12 and six. They should have taken those two games against uh, Oklahoma city. And they should have taken that one against Minnesota. Those three losses to me are inexcusable. Everybody else, everybody else hit or miss, right? Nobody really expected that. I, I could take a loss in Boston. I could take a loss in Milwaukee, but you drop a home game to Oklahoma city when you were actually leading those guys, that's inexcusable, not just once, but twice. What did, what did Woody Harrelson say in uh white Men can jump? Well, you've been beaten now, not once, but twice by a slow <laughs> white geeky chump. Uh, so yes, uh, they should have those two wins. They should have, they should have beaten Minnesota as well. So if they were 12 and six, I would say, yeah, I would definitely take that nine and nine. It's inexcusable because if you're now jostling for position as the West continues to, uh, iron out and and all of these contending teams continue to do their jobs including the clippers by the way, clippers have had a really nice start to the season as well and they've been shorthanded so uh yeah i i think i think they should be better but in the long term if they can get everyone healthy and start playing some defense then yeah we'll look back at this stretch and say this is what ultimately propelled them to get to, to that next level or not
0: Or not absolutely so i mean good stuff man i i can't disagree with that as much as i would like to The Lakers should definitely be 12-6, and but that'll do it for us on this edition of the Outlet Forum podcast with Chaz and Chris. Uh, Thank you to everyone that supports us, as well as uh, Nightcast Media uh, for giving us the platform as well. Uh, One thing that I do want to shout out and and speak on really quick before we get out of here is the unforgivable murder Mm. and slain, uh, I can't call it assassination, but... Uh, of Young Dolph of Memphis, Tennessee, uh, rest in peace, my brother. One of my favorite rappers, um, obviously a, a true, uh, just a, a great guy, man. He was just yeah. such a good figure, not only within his community, but he obviously had ties, uh, you know, to the league as well, uh, with being a Memphis Grizzlies fan and rooting for John Morant, and you know, just having those ties to the league, just, you know, it hurts to have a, a, a brother of ours like that just being taken from us uh, in such a, such dramatic fashion. For those of you that don't know, uh, young Dolph is, is a Memphis Tennessee rapper who has been on the come up for quite some time um, has had songs with Meg the stallion to young Jeezy to two chains to, you know, everybody else, you know, in the industry for the most part. And he was gunned down, you um, At a cookie store in Memphis, Grizzlies before, or in Memphis, Tennessee before he was actually going to go hand out turkeys and do his charity work like he does every year uh, for the community. So, um, you know, pray for him and his for his family uh, as well as everybody within the Memphis, Tennessee area uh, and anybody like myself who was a fan of his that was deeply, um, you know, hurt by this loss, like I was. Uh, So, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to him because LeBron James even. Uh, you know shouted him out and, and posted out a video that they filmed together uh, for his music video or commercial I believe um, as well because obviously LeBron James had a relationship with him and listened to his music and you know LeBron is always in the back of his car you know filming those videos listening to music and a lot of that uh, was young Dolph as well so uh, shout out to him shout out to his family shout out to anybody that supports him for sure um, so young on, too live yeah. on, brother
1: Absolutely. 36 years old. Oh,
0: may he rest in peace.
1: Uh, and also, yeah, another shout out, not quite as, um, uh, tragic, uh, Art LaFleur, the actor, uh, passed away over the weekend. And you may say to yourself, who's Art LaFleur? He had probably one of the most iconic one scene, uh, cameos, if you want to call it that in a movie, in the movie, The Sandlot, he played the babe and had one of the most iconic lines in that one scene. Remember kid, there's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered, but legends never die. Follow your heart, kid. You'll never go wrong. I mean, just such a such a genius line. With, and
0: with the cigar, with, with the, the cigar, cigar
1: the stog. And he was in a lot of other movies, field of dreams, the Replacement. But if you I know a lot of you out there are big fans of the movie The Sandlot. The movie's a classic, one of my favorite baseball, sports movies, summer movies of all time. And he he's only in that one scene, but he just nails it as as, as the babe. And that's his name. His character name wasn't even Babe Ruth. It was just the Babe. And, and that line, of course, is something that always holds near and dear to me. Heroes get remembered, but legends never die. So it, it's fitting that, you know, you're talking about a young man in Young Dolph who could have been a legend had, had he not been tragically murdered, but certainly in, leaves in, his certainly leaves his mark behind, though, and will always be remembered
0: in his city, though, just like. Nip hustle in L.A. Just like Biggie in New York. Dolph is a legend in Memphis oh, yeah. forever. So, yeah. uh, with that being said, uh, thank you guys for listening to the Outlet Forum podcast. Uh, you know where to follow me on Twitter at Chaz P. On I'm sorry at Chaz Pearson on Instagram at Chaz P. Follow the Outlet Forum podcast on Instagram at the outlet form and on Twitter at the outlet form. Where can they find you, Chris? You can always follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Camelo,
1: see Camelo one on Instagram. And I'm also still on Facebook. Don't judge me. camello's host corner by Chris Camelo and be sure to <laughs> be sure to download and follow this podcast. We are on iHeart radio. We are on Spotify and now we are on Apple iTunes. So, Check us out on all of those platforms. Oh, and and of course, Google Podcasts. So we're on anywhere you want to get this podcast. We are on it.
0: Good stuff this week. And uh, we'll be back next week. And hopefully the Lakers hopefully roll off maybe three to five straight by the next time you he hear us. Appreciate you guys listening and have a great week. Peace.